about an artist known as Vanilla Ice that she just described as underappreciated. Am I right there, Liz? Yeah. Do you care to elaborate on why our culture is undervaluing uh, the person behind the Ninja Turtles theme song? I will tell you, I will tell you why. Okay. Um, because uh, several years ago, I was running in a one-hit run- wonder uh, 5K race where basically like every couple, every like mile or so, they, you, you could take a break and listen to a one-hit wonder. <laughs> Uh, play live. What is happening right now? That's a real thing. That, That's that a real happened? thing. The Nike uh, Nike Run Hit Remix. It was remix. sponsored by Nike. Yeah. Oh you can, my you god. Can look this up. Is it still happening? Are I they still, still doing I this? Think it still happens. All uh, right. I don't mean to derail the story, but I am. Um, that is an interesting sidebar. Um. Yeah. Uh. Maybe they haven't done it recently. Um. But yeah. So I did. Uh. One year, I I was running in this race, and uh, Vanilla Ice was there, and he was performing. And Vanilla Ice, he started doing a little bit of ninja rap, and everyone freaked out and was so excited that he was doing it. And he was just like, "Really, guys?" Like he was just like, "You, you're, you were having a, a really extreme reaction to this one song of mine." So you're saying that Vanilla Ice understands his cultural value better than the culture itself, or at least the representatives of our culture. There you go. I feel like he's under underappreciated and worthy of respect. Do we think it's an accurate sample size that the people who were at this this one hit wonder five K run? Yeah, especially given that we are all. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Could you? How far into the run were you? It's like about halfway through. So yeah, there's definitely not a lot of oxygen in my brain. Mm. All right, we're gonna start the podcast real now. No, I, it's been recording. Oh, I know it's been recording, but we actually have to start the podcast now. No, it, this is definitely part of it. <laughs> I'll edit this week's. No, you won't. I can, if it, that's what it takes to get this section in there, because I feel like it's important. All right. Uh, well, in that case, welcome to the Very Good Television Podcast with oh. Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. Great. Um, I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. I hope this is the third or fourth minute of the podcast that you're listening to. I mean, I probably will just slap it together. Um, but yeah. Love it. Um, but yeah, we, you, were hearing, you were hearing the voices of two people who have gotten a full night's sleep since the end of TCAs. I like to believe you've gotten, you've gotten mm. to catch up a little bit on rest. No. Oh, Ben. I don't practice self-care very well, Elizabeth. I, I, I had a good amount of whiskey, though, so that was helpful. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you can drink whiskey during TCAs, too. Yeah. It was basically just keeping up. <laughs> keeping. Yes. Keeping the on form. Right. On point. Leveled. It's early. Yeah. Point is, we have returned. We've returned to our offices here in L.A. We have. Re- uh, we are back to the grind of keeping up with all the television on top of all the other news that comes along with the television. Uh, for some reason, we started talking about Vanilla Ice, which uh, is a clear sign that you know, we should change the subject into something a little more television-oriented. Disagree. Um, ben is really interested in my thoughts on Vanilla Ice today. It was a bold statement you made. <laughs> you can't just, you can't just, you can't say things like, <laughs> you can't say things like, Vanilla and Ice, Vanilla Ice and I, we just, I, I, we just get each other. 
And you can't say something in addition to that where you think Vanilla Ice is underappreciated and not elaborate. And you, you elaborated very well. You provided good evidence for your yeah. argument. But it's that's also, the whole point of it is that I wanted to hear it, and it right. is important. I mean, the, the, the important thing about Vanilla Ice is that he has really uh, he has really kind of, I think, come into his own. He kind of, I think, acknowledges his cultural legacy and has a sense of humor about it to some degree. I've seen him do some web stuff that's sure. indicated that. Sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> Liz, our foremost scholar on all things Vanilla Ice, it seems. I mean, probably within the IndieWire staff, I would put myself up there. I think it might be wider than that. Um, you know who directed, or he, you know who di- I forget if he directed or if he just shot, um, but just shot the movie Cool as Ice, starring Vanilla Ice. There's a movie about Vanilla Ice? Have you, how are you not aware of the fact that there's a movie about Vanilla, starring Vanilla Ice? This is my entire argument. I don't think anybody <laughs> cares oh, every, or, everyone or values the Vanilla Ice or movie. thinks about Vanilla Ice outside of, like, very specific nostalgic context. Oh, my gosh. Um, so he was in a movie called Cool as Ice. Um, and I'm, look, I'm checking this now, uh, but the most important thing about this movie is that the cinematographer was Janusz Kaminski, a.k.a. Steven Spielberg's longtime cinematographer, which is why Cool as Ice is actually a very pretty movie. It's very well shot. What is the movie about? Um, I'll, I'll read you the description. Okay. Uh, it is a 1991 American romantic musical comedy film directed by David Kellogg and starring rapper Vanilla Ice in his feature film debut. The film focuses on the character of Johnny Van Owen, a freewheeling motorcycle-riding rapper who arrives in a small town and meets Kathy, an honor student who catches his eye. This is, this is astounding. Wait, is this the kind of movie that when, when directors, like prestigious directors and writers, talk about how Hollywood doesn't make those mid-budget movies anymore like studio movies this is this the movie they're talking about are we mourning the loss of films like cool as ice basically wow i mean this is this kind of sounds like flash dance to some <laughs> not flash dance but uh, footloose footloose well let's not let's pump the brakes a little bit footloose is an all-time classic two times over hmm. because the the remake was exquisite this is these are strong words in favor of the footloose re- it's really good it, it, it actually is probably the living example of why anything with a Boston accent added into it is better. Oh. Like they, they, the character comes from Boston this time, so he's got a Boston accent. And the movie is made better because of this fact. I got you. I'm not saying that that movie is better than the original movie. I'm just saying that this movie is better because of that. Nothing. Okay. So this is a flash dance minor, lower-key, footloose equivalent. I'm, no just, I'm just saying, I, I haven't seen it. What I have year not was seen, this made? What? What year was this made? Uh, 1991. 1991, okay. Yeah, so definitely. I'm sure there was some sort of sequence where... Is know, it streaming anywhere? That is an excellent question. We should find out. Um, speaking of things that stream, though, uh, we do want to kind of make good on a long, a long-promised topic of this podcast that... We finally have a good reason to go go for because um, good reason is a stretch. Well, let's continue. But anyways, 
for a while now, we've been threatening to do a podcast. Uh, I'd like to say threaten. It's but, accurate. Yeah. But we've been threatening to do a podcast where literally all we're going to do is Ben has seen the entire first season of the Naomi Watts drama Gypsy. I have not. Um, but I'm willing to let Ben tell me what happens in it, and you all get to listen with me. So I think this is going to work best. First, I'm going to provide some context. Right. Then I think I'm going to provide an introduction of, of like, the basic things I remember about Gypsy. Right. Then I think it'll work best if you ask me questions okay. based on what like what happens next or tell me more about this topic yeah. or whatever. But first and foremost, Gypsy has been canceled. Yes, that is the most important thing, which is happened, why we feel safe doing this. What was it, last Thursday? Uh, Yeah, last Thursday, Friday. Yeah, as you're listening to this? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it joined the growing heap of Netflix original series to be canceled. It was another rather expensive uh, Netflix original series that they made one season of and has now been extinguished. Um, it was widely panned by critics, so I don't feel alone in my disinterest, but mm-hmm. continued fascination with the... I don't want to say the mythology of Gypsy. That gives it too much credit, but the the, the conundrum that is Naomi Watts' Netflix series. Um, so yes, it's been canceled. If you... For some reason, remain interested in watching this and haven't had the time yet. Obviously, we encourage you to skip to the end of our podcast and listen to Liz's recommendations for your best thing. Next thing, you probably don't need mine because you no longer trust me. For I am the man who's decided to take twenty minutes to just rant about Gypsy. Everybody, it is. It is. It good? is my fate. I. It is my. It is our fate as people. Let's everybody, do it. Everybody's feeling feeling good about this. Let's go. Fade in. Fade in. <laughs> Naomi Watts is walking. I think she's coming out of like a train station or something. There's she's she's providing very vague voiceover about about God knows what, and she's just kind of strolling through the streets in this softly lit uh, morning light of of New York City. Um, there's like it, part of this opening voiceover contained language to me that that sounded like it was going to be necessary foreshadowing for something like she was she was trying to convey the twists that were coming because this is supposed to be an erotic thriller it was described by netflix as a psychological erotic thriller starring naomi watts and like she's playing like setting so all we're we're opening in on so we're opening in all we know right now is that she's walking through and we're we're watching this netflix thriller she says something (laughs) Something akin to this quote that I have from my original notes while watching the pilot. We're all ruled by the same desires, and those desires can be raw and dark and deeply shameful. We're never really who we say we are. Huh. Cut to Diane, this Naomi Watts character who shows up at a coffee house and orders a latte from um, a woman, fairly attractive, young Kind of looks punk rockery barista. You know, like, just kind of who you'd expect to see at a hip, underground New York coffee bar. Right. And they kind of have some banter back and forth, and it's fine and whatever, and good for them, and they move on. Twist! Naomi Watts is not Diane. She lied. She gave a different name to this coffee girl. And her real name... Hold on, I lost it. It's like Sarah. It's something more normal pause dwell on this liz 
I'm dwelling on this. I mean, right now, the red flags I'm noticing are um, voiceover, for one thing. Yeah. I always think of you when a series starts with voiceover. <laughs> yeah, because it, 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 it doesn't go well so, many, so often. Um, Jean, that's her name. That's Jean, her name? Jean Holloway is her real name. She gave the name of Diane, which is added immense value to my appreciation of this after what we learned in last night's Twin Peaks. Sure. But that requires me spoiling more things that I'm I'm not willing to do because Twin right. Peaks is great and everyone should watch it. Right. Um, Juicy, meanwhile, will spoil the crap out I'm of gonna it. going to spoil the crap out of it because, A, we've done it before. Right. It's existing online right now. And, and B, it's been canceled and we need to talk about this. So anyway... Diane, a.k.a. Jean, right. goes into her office. She starts meeting with patients. She's got a bunch of patients. She's a therapist. Um, she's talking to them about a bunch of stuff. Um, nothing all that interesting. Um, we come to learn that she's married. Her husband is Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup is an independent film MVP of the last few years. Mm-hmm. He's a supporting actor all-star. I love Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup in 20th Century Women it's fantastic. That film is fantastic. Everybody, please watch Annette Benning's 20th Century Woman. Um, but they've got a happy marriage. Everything seems to be good. They're very well off. They live in, I think they live in Connecticut. Um, and then they, they both commute into the city. Um, this is pretty much the entirety of the show. The only thing that matters in regard to development within that first episode of what I'm talking about is, A, she lied to the barista. And we discover that she did this on purpose because the barista is the ex-girlfriend of one of her patients. Mm. Now, why she's interested in, in going and seeing this barista and meeting her based solely on some kind of random rantings of this dude mm. who seems like just a very normal but jealous ex-lover, um, I, I don't know. And I still don't know. I've seen all 10 hours of it. No, I don't understand the fascination here. But, again, because of that opening where it's like she's talking about these desires that are raw and dark and deeply shameful. Mm-hmm. You feel like there's a lot more going on in Gypsy for a long period of time than there is. Like, you just, you feel like there's there's something churning under there that you're about to be, that's about to be revealed. You're about to find out something more but basically it boils down to she gets way too involved in her patients lives she kind of lies to her patients about what they're what they should be doing in order to allow her to get more invested and like like meeting the people they know and i think she thinks she's helping them i do think that that's true so i think she's trying to do the right thing but it's just really really badly conveyed why she's doing it. And what we find out is that in the past, like years and years ago, she basically convinced one of her patients to burn down her family's house. And her patient was sent to an insane asylum, and she tried to out uh, Jean for doing this. But nobody believed her because Jean's a respectable therapist, and she would never do anything like that. Sure. Uh, (laughs) but, But it's true. Like, she did it. And this is, like, this is, this is teased by, like, one line of dialogue after six hours and then revealed in a very clunky way near the end of the series. But Jean basically just gets into a relationship with the barista um, and they kind of fall for each other. They have weird fights about stuff. 
So it was like a real extended relationship between them as opposed to just like a casual hookup. Yeah, no, she keeps going back until she finds out that she is actually the lead singer of a band, the barista. And then Diane, quote unquote Diane, goes and meets the barista uh, and, and at one of her shows. And there's that really cheesy scene where she's looking up on stage and the red light's on her and she sees the singer and she hears the song. And she's like, oh, God, I can't I can't walk away from this. I just I'm. I'm drawn to this person, and I, I need them so badly. Um, but it, it, what's what's really kind of fucked up about Gypsy to me is that it spends a lot of time drawing out that relationship, and it basically just boils down to she's cheating on her husband. Like, right. that's all it boils down to. And yeah. it's not – It's it seems to be justified more by some sort of mysterious desire connected to her therapy sessions and who she knows than anything – purely romantic like it's very hard to tell if she actually loves this barista chick and I feel really bad about forgetting this barista chick's name but that's literally all I think about um, so the entire series kind of turns into this this thing where she's tempted to cheat Billy Crudup of course has a hot assistant who he's tempted to cheat with but he's more of a loyal husband or something so he doesn't really go as far as, as we expect so it's just teasing and teasing and teasing and teasing, and literally, the series ends with <laughs> fucking barista chick somehow getting wise to Jean's plot, and she shows up at her kid's school while Jean is giving some speech about cognitive behavioral studies to the entire school, and they lock eyes. Jean sees her in the back of the room. And the barista sees her up on stage, and the barista's like, oh, what is going on? And Jean just kind of smiles at her like, hey, girl. <laughs> Bet you didn't see that coming. And that's the whole season. Like, the whole season boils down to she finally figures out that Jean is not Diane, and that Jean is kind of a bad therapist, and that she cheats on her husband a lot. Yeah, this is disappointing. It's shockingly disappointing, Liz. Like, it, it's it's something that I've been sitting with for far too long to feel the rage that I felt at the time. Right. But I'm still, like, as we're talking about it, I'm getting more and more worked up about how frustrating this show is. Right. Okay, let me ask you this. Is it, is, are the sex scenes actually sexy at all? No. Really? Yeah. How, how do they, how do you screw up Naomi Watts being sexy on camera? It's a great question. Um, because even in, like, even in Twin Peaks, she's got a sex scene. And it's funny. Like, it's a comedic sex mm-hmm. scene, but it's actually, it's kind of sexy. Right. Like, it, it actually turns out, you're like, that's actually, like, it's it's cute, and it's good in its own way. This is, um, it's overwrought in, like, a, a, a very heavy way where the buildup to their first hookup is agonizing. Like, it, it takes forever for it to happen, and you don't understand. Like, there's... You know those really shitty sitcoms where they throw bad reasons for your essential couple not to hook up? Like, they just keep doing it. It's just like, here's a reason. We're not going to hook them up. It's going to take another three episodes. Wait it out. Turmoil, turmoil, turmoil. It's like that, but right. in a drama, and it's badly executed. So by the time it actually happens, I think you're meant to be happier that you're just it's actually going down, but you never are really that excited for it to happen anyway because you got Billy Crudup sitting at home. He doesn't know what's going on, and you don't want him to be, you know, cuckolded. Poor Billy Crudup. I do. I feel bad for Billy. But no, they're not um, They're not particularly well done sex scenes. There's a couple, I think it's episode three, 
where she <laughs> she gets like a text message from the barista and decides to decides to masturbate. And it wasn't like a hot text message. It was just kind of like, "What's up? Hey girl, what's going on?" Um, and then they just and then there's just a scene of her like rolling around and of course Billy comes home early and she's just like, oh, "I'm not doing anything. Everything's fine." But even that's just it it just doesn't really make sense. Secret masturbation. Yeah, how dare she? <laughs> how dare she do that while she's home alone in her own time? That that's just that is the deep dark hold on i forgot again raw dark deeply shameful behavior that i was promised in that opening voiceover Aye. i mean it is like it it's it's weird like it it is a problem that she basically convinced someone to burn down the house and it's not my memory's fading a little bit and if she literally was like instructing her to do it or if it was like a bad side effect of her you know questionable therapeutic practices that's a problem that's not something she should be proud of. You could say that's a deeply shameful secret for her, but it's not one that you want to that can be teased out the way that it is on the show. Like it, it doesn't feel like it justifies the promise of what we're given at the beginning. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, I remember like when the show was when we'd gotten screeners and people were starting to watch it, like just kind of quietly internally amongst critics. We were starting to hear. I was starting to be like. I know you were really excited for it. I know a couple other guys who were, you know, really hoping it'd be good. And so yeah, it's it's it sounds like a real real a real shame. Yeah, it was a crushing blow when I I hadn't watched it yet, and I was talking with a fellow critic about what we were getting ready to see, and um, I mentioned Gypsy, and he just looked at me with that look that you know when you see it. It's like mm. oh no, something went horribly wrong. And he was like, yeah, Gypsy's really bad. And I was like, oh, my God, how is that possible? And then he had to endure a 30-second rant of mine, which is what I've been saying. I probably said on the podcast. You guys have probably heard me go through it. Yeah. Before Gypsy came out, it's like, how do you screw this up? It's like Liz said. Like, how do you screw up Naomi Watts being Naomi sexy Watts in an erotic psychological thriller? Even Naomi Watts in just a psychological thriller. Right. I mean, that's automatically erotic because Naomi Watts is awesome. Right. And she's just – she's got that kind of allure – all on her own. She doesn't need the soft lighting and the and the, you know, generous cinematography to make her seem like some sort of intriguing otherworldly person. You feel that way in Twin Peaks when you're watching her be Janie E. Like you feel mm-hmm. that way in no matter what you see. So it's gonna be in there. And it was like this was just it's it's a it's a big disaster. Wow. And it it it, it deserved to be canceled. I'm glad that it's gone. I didn't see a lot of hope and recovery for it. Like I, it, it didn't seem like a second kind of season show. wouldn't have fixed the show. Yeah, you would have had to change uh, just a, a massive amount of things, right, to make it work. I'm, I'm morbidly curious about what the plan was. You know, like what they were, what they were going to do next. Mm-hmm. But um, there was no reason to believe it was going to be good. And this is just, as we mentioned, a series of of Netflix cancellations. Like they're. Yeah, but this is one where it feels like dropping the axe. Yeah, this one feels like okay, like as opposed to, you know, say the get down or what was the other one that was really sad? Oh, Sensate. Yeah, but we fixed Sensate at least. Yeah, um, that's something. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 one thing. It's one thing to to just take that critical stance of like these are well reviewed shows or these had obvious progressive elements to them that that made them worthy of, of time and attention and they were doing good things and versus a show where most people just didn't like it 
Um, but I'm sure Gypsy has its fans. I'm sure that I know a couple of people. I've had two people personally text me and tell me that they thought Gypsy was fun, and I made them try to explain it to me, and they did it. They were just like, I don't know. I just, I just think it's, I just think it's fun. And I'm like, you're not even watching it. You're probably, you've probably got like a baseball game on in the corner, and then Gypsy's just playing. And then whenever you want to look over and be like, ah, no, we watch. Cool. Then it's like an artist. It's like a painting. But no. Um, but no. I mean, it's it's just kind of it's easy to say it's okay and just throw these things away. There's still a lot of people who worked hard on it. There's still a lot of people who are now in a job, so it's a sad thing. Right. But Netflix is, uh, they're getting lean and mean. They are. And, I mean, it's, I guess it's part of the crunch. Got to give, uh, make room for, uh, make room for Shondaland. What is interesting about it, about the, the announcement that Shondaland and Shonda Rhimes are coming to Netflix and they're going to make new original series for Netflix that this happened or that this was announced just a few days after Gypsy was canceled. Mm-hmm. The idea of Naomi Watts and even this show run by Shonda Rhimes. Oh, that'd be great. Would probably be great. Yeah. Like if you if you combine Shonda Rhimes with a Naomi Watts psychological erotic thriller, wow. That's kind of what I was hoping for all along. Yeah. Right? Shonda knows how to how to craft good, a good soap. Yeah. Shonda knows how to keep the characters feeling like charactery. Yeah. Shauna Rams knows sexy. Absolutely. All so, these yeah. things. Check, check, check. And um, it would be fun to see her do something where she's only making 10 episodes. Oh, yeah. Instead of 24. I imagine that's part of what, that's going to be an interesting part of her deal is, you know, how how much, how long will seasons be? Yeah, I mean, How to Get Away with Murder had at least one shorter season. Yeah, and not the catch that, was. Not that that helped it, but. Yeah. Catch was 13 episodes. Yeah. So. Bless the catch. Rest in peace, The Catch. That's uh, that is a show that's disappeared. But now that she's on Netflix, you can always resurrect it. I would love that. I would be neutral. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so thank you, a gentle listener, for letting Ben explain to me uh, what happened in Gypsy. Um, I wish there was more to it. No, that's the, the, thing. That's the thing. I was expecting more craziness, more bonkersness. But that's the that, that was the whole point of why it failed, and that's what's fascinating, and that's what I thought was most important to convey to people in the reviews, you know, before they watched it or if they just started it. I just wanted it. I just felt like it was important to get it out there that you're gonna you're gonna feel like you're waiting for something to happen, and that something just never comes. Yeah, and that's a damn shame. Truly, just you know, in general. Yeah. Most importantly, Ben, that was something bad you watched a while back. A long time ago. What was was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, Episodes. Oh. Not episodes of Gypsy. Right. The series known as episodes on Showtime. Uh, Is that that a harder Google Google of a title than a review? I don't know if we've ever settled on that. I feel like episodes would probably be easier because... If you type, like, episodes Showtime, it's going to come up. Right. But if you type review Comedy Central, you could get a lot, lot of different things. A yeah. review of Broad City Season 3. You know, like, there's just a lot of options. So I or, feel you like, could cl- or you could do Netflix's Love. Yeah, I feel like Netflix Love is probably also going to get you to the right spot, though I feel like that's got more options possible than than episodes Showtime. Gotcha. So it's not the worst, but it's not the best. Nope. Uh, that being said, it is the best comedy Probably on TV right now. Hmm. It's coming out this week. I, yeah, in August? It might be. 
I, I haven't done the research. Well, but. we've got we've got we've got Insecure and Ballers airing right now. <laughs> it is better than Ballers. It is, I guilty pleasure Ballers. I will continue watching it, but no episodes is is truly truly a great television program. Uh, this is its final season. Uh, obviously, this is the Matt LeBlanc playing Matt LeBlanc Showtime series about a British couple who tried to bring their acclaimed series uh, across the pond to American audiences and work for broadcast TV and all of the struggles and failures that went into that. Um, they're wrapping up now. They're digging into some some writer's romantics and some behind-the-scenes Hollywood stuff that's really, really effectively done. Um, great broadening of the satire. And LeBlanc is just, he's tremendous in the show. Like, it's, it's one of those performances where you want to write it off because he's quote-unquote playing himself. You want to write it off because he's playing into a lot of things that are easily enjoyable. You know, like every time they reference friends or make fun of friends, it's it's funny. Like it's 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 something that like catches your eye and and warms your heart. But what he does with the role is actually really really good. He's got um, he's created a great character within himself, which is pretty admirable. Um, it's a tough thing to so. do too. And I, I I'm a fan of that sort of meta comedy, as I've previously explained. So so I I, I will make a point. Of, I've always been on the fence with it, but I should try to check it out again for the final season. It is a lovely program, and I I wish it the best. Um, Apparently Showtime wanted to make more of it, Mm. um, and they're floating an idea of of doing an actual movie uh, capper at the end of it, but uh, we'll see if that happens. And uh, for now, Liz, you talk about something for once. What was the best thing you watched last week? Um... So this is this isn't this isn't count as cheating, but it goes, but it, it was it was the best thing I saw. Uh, I was really impressed by the first eight minutes or so that we were shown of American Crime Story: colon, The Assassination of Gianni Versace, um, which was a you know it's basically we're not getting we're not going to get to see the full thing until January, but this is FX's latest American Crime Story series. They previewed a little bit of it for us at TCA's. It was like the last thing of TCA's, uh, which was intense, um, but it was really uh, it was really great to see kind of. I basically I, I went in knowing very little about the show, very little about the story, very little about what to expect, and I came away like very excited for what's to come. Sounds like it did its job. It did its job. So, yeah, that was the best thing I saw. Um, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to is um, an, another final season, this one of Halt and Catch Fire. Mm. Uh, the AMC series is entering its, well, it is entering its fourth season. Um, first three are available on Netflix for anybody who hasn't binged it yet or tried it out or sampled it. Um it's a show that, that kind of slowly grew a critical, a small critical fan base, um, but very passionate and very vocal. And I think it really, really topped out at the end of season three. It has some, it makes some very bold choices in some very strong episodes. Um, great character work all around. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a show that has never been a huge ratings hit, but is steadily kind of kept creeping into the cultural conversation in a very culty way. And for its final season, I haven't watched the screeners yet, but we've got them. And I'm, I'm very excited knowing kind of how well things were going at the end of season three. Like, I, I think this they might really pull it together for a, a pretty special year. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm excited to check that out, too. Halton Catchfire. Yep. Liz's parents, one of their favorite shows. Yep, they like that show a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
What about you, Liz? Um, gosh, um, I am going to be reviewing the Defenders for this week. Uh, this is the Marvel, of course, the Marvel unification of all the series. Um, and I have seen the first four episodes, and I'm very excited to see the back half because I. Oh, why? Because they fo- they finally get together then. Like they might actually all share the screen. It takes until episode three. Yes, it's a long time. It's a long time, but how I how many made... episodes are there total? Eight. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Sigourney Sigourney Weaver is wearing some amazing looks. Like, the budget spent, whatever they spent to dress Sigourney Weaver in the show was money well spent. It's all fabulous. And also, like, you know, it's all your friends. And Danny Rand doesn't talk too much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of my friends. One One and two of my friends. Yeah. Yeah. They're, They're all right. A friend and an acquaintance. Yeah. They're good people. Um, they're heroes, if you will. They're, they're something. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I'm looking forward to finishing those, finishing the season, and uh, that'll be either late night or an early morning. But it'll be worth it because I love me some Marvel. I mean, reviews aren't embargoed, Liz. What what are what are your thoughts briefly on those first couple episodes? Um, I I liked them. Um, I think I think it is like the pacing. The pacing is an issue. But I want to see how it plays over the course of the entire season, not just those first few episodes. Um, and I think there's some smart stuff done in terms of like kind of trying to blend all the different worlds with all the different shows together. Um, so yeah, Ugh, all the things I hate. I know. Um, but you know, I think I think the thing I really liked about the choice to kind of keep them, not bring them together right away, um, is that the ways in which that you can see the show coming together and figuring out like how how they're how eventually they're all going to end up in the same location like waiting on that is really fun um and i feel like i feel like that that worked out really well that played out well for me but other people have different opinions and are quite right to have them so fair enough. Yeah, you'll be able to read that and all, a whole bunch more on IndieWire.com, uh, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features. And if you want to listen to some IndieWire podcasts that won't be about Gypsy, then we highly recommend the Turn It On podcast with Michael Schneider, Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn, and of course the wonderful Chris O'Fault, who hosts the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. Yep, and you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Correct. Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, apologies for the vanilla ice digression at the beginning there. Nope. Best part. <laughs> uh, the most important thing is, you guys, keep watching television. <laughs>